0: Flyers Daily with Jason Mertedis. All right, here we go. Flyers Daily for Tuesday, March eighth. The Flyers will culminate an eight-game homestand coming up tonight at Wells Fargo Center. They'll take on the Vegas Golden Knights. It's been a long, long homestand. Flyers are, however, coming off of a win uh, which they got on Saturday against the Chicago Blackhawks. So, eight-game homestand will come to an end tonight with Vegas and throughout the homestand so far. The first seven games of this homestand for the Flyers. Here's what's taken place so far. Started way back on February 17th. That was a 5-3 loss against Washington. Then they took on the Carolina Hurricanes. Lost 4-3 in overtime. Had a lead in that game. Came back twice against Carolina. 4-1 loss against the St. Louis Blues on Tuesday, February 22nd. Then a week ago Saturday, February 26th, the 2-1 win over the Washington Capitals. Then shut out. It was the fifth shutout of the season. Against the Flyers, the Edmonton Oilers got a 3 nothing win. Minnesota beat the Flyers 5-4 in a game which they had a lead in the third period, 4-3. Ended up losing 5-4. And then the win against the Blackhawks Saturday, 4-3 in what was an entertaining game. Martin Jones, as a matter of fact, got the win for the Flyers in that one. And like I said, they'll wrap up the eight-game homestand tonight against the Vegas Golden Knights. Florida and Carolina await on the road. Florida will be Thursday this week. And then Friday or... Florida will be coming up on Thursday, March 10th, and then Saturday, March 12th, they'll take on Carolina in Carolina, then return home for two against Montreal and the Nashville Predators. Now, the Carolina-Montreal game back-to-back, first part of that Carolina on the road, Montreal Wells Fargo Center coming up on Sunday, so imagine we'll see Jones and Carter Hart this weekend. I would suspect the goalie allotment will be Hart-Hart-Jones, so Carter Hart would probably get Florida. Especially with Jones just coming off uh, the last game against Chicago and Carter likely to start tonight. And then, uh, so I think Carter will start Vegas, Florida, and Carolina. Jones will get Montreal coming up on Sunday and then a couple days off. Matter of fact, three days off without games. And then back on Thursday, March 17th against Nashville uh, for the Flyers. And that would be the day that the captain, Claude Giroux, Presumably, will play his 1,000th game for the Philadelphia Flyers. I say presumably because um, the question remains: Will he be here? Will he still be a member of the Philadelphia Flyers on St. Patrick's Day? We shall see. Uh, The Vegas Golden Knights—they are a team that, you know, it's weird. They haven't been in the league that long. They haven't had a whole lot of disappointment. But right now, they're kind of in a dogfight here in the Western Conference. So the third-place team in the Pacific Division of the Western Conference. They are five points back of the top spot, which is Calgary. They're a point back of the second-place team, which is the Los Angeles Kings. They have played the same amount of games, 57. But they are only a couple of points up on being out of the playoff picture. Right now, the Edmonton Oilers through 56 games, so a game in hand, have 64 points. They're the ninth-place team in uh, that uh, Western Conference. So Vegas not in a solidified position right now to really stamp a ticket to the NHL postseason. The loss of Mark Stone has hurt the Vegas Golden Knights pretty considerably. Uh, we knew he's a, an important player, sure. They have gotten Jack Eichel into the lineup, sure. Eichel not fully rounded into form just yet. But Mark Stone is a guy that really, as a winger, Takes care of a lot for them. Good two-way player as well. 28 games played for Stone, 28 points, 8 goals, 20 assists. And when you look at Jack Eichel, 9 games, 3 goals, 3 assists, 6 points in those 9 games. going to take him a little time to work back coming off that surgery for his uh, the neck ailment that he had and ultimately led him out of Buffalo and to the Vegas Golden Knights in that blockbuster deal, so... It's Vegas and the Flyers tonight, and when you look at uh, the Vegas Golden Knights, again, not playing great hockey of late, 4-5-1 and one in their last 10. They did win their last two games. They beat Anaheim 5-4 on the road, and then they beat Ottawa at home 2-1, to and tonight they kick off what looks like a five-game road trip against the Flyers, then they'll head to Buffalo, Pittsburgh, Columbus, and Winnipeg. And when you look at Vegas, too, you know, one of the things we broke down when the Flyers were playing the St. Louis Blues, we looked at the Blues and where they ranked in a lot of very key categories, like scoring, league scoring. And the Blues are one of those teams that's up there in the top five, fourth in league in scoring. They're a team that keeps the puck out of their net. They're a team that's one of the top you know, power play teams in the NHL. They're one of the top penalty kill teams in the NHL they rank really well across the board 5-on-5 five five and on special teams. And I talked at the time that that's a team to look out for in the playoffs because when you take a penalty, they make you pay. When they take a penalty, they kill it off, and they can get the job done 5-on-5. Five five. If they can get the good goaltending, whether that's from Binnington or Husso, then the team like the St. Louis Blues is very dangerous in the playoffs. Vegas is a team that's got some high-end talent, and if they get stoned back and they get healthy and they're playing well— could make some noise in the Western Conference, but I don't feel nearly as confident with Vegas this year as I have in the past. As far as goals for in the NHL and where Vegas ranks, again, dealing with some injuries. A lot of teams are, including the Flyers. 3.16 goals per game. That's the 13th most goals per games played in the NHL. Uh, when it comes to goals against, they're a team that you know moved on from Marc-Andre Fleury after he won the Vesna Trophy. They wanted to carry the mail with Robin Lehner. He's been injured, but 2.91 goals per game. That's 17th in the NHL, 17th most. So they're basically middle of the pack when it comes to keeping the puck out of your net. We know how important that is come playoff time. Power play, where we talked about the St. Louis Blues being one of the top teams, number two overall in the NHL, owned behind the uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs. The the, the the Vegas Golden Knights, not a great power play team. They're a team, 18.1%, 23rd in the NHL, and then you look at PK, and uh, slightly better on the penalty kill, but still not near the top, 18th, just below league average at 79.1%, and 18th in the NHL. They're a team that, to me, looks a bit flawed, and unless Robin Lehner can come in and erase some mistakes and play really well, Mark Stone get healthy, and Jack Eichel really round round into form, I think it could be a short postseason for the Vegas Gold Knights, but the, the task at hand is the Flyers and the Golden Knights tonight. The Flyers will look to win back-to-back games for the first time in 2022. Now, one of the other things I wanted to get to in this episode, it's, it's obviously been a very difficult season. And there is not a lot of positives. When your record and the Flyers' record this season through 55 games is 17, 28, and 10, 44 points and are in the bottom spot of the Metropolitan Division, a point back of the New Jersey Devils, who have 45 points, and they've played the same amount of games. And you're tied in points with the Buffalo Sabres, and you're only one point up on the Ottawa Senators. It's a rough season. I mean, the Flyers are 2-5-2, or 2-6-2, rather, in their last 10, coming off that win against the Chicago Blackhawks. Their goal differential on the season is minus 53. They've struggled to score. The power play has been just unbelievably frustrating. The penalty kill has been, you know, it's had some stretches where it was pretty good, but overall, not good enough, not even close. Uh, they're a team that has uh, really been banged up with injuries. There's there's a long list of reasons why the Flyers are where they are. I mean, we've done the whole, you know, what's wrong with the Flyers series. But in this episode, you know, I'm not feeling well today, just full disclosure. I'm, I'm dealing with uh, kind of a sore throat and a cough and Allergies, the confluence of all those things, so I kind of feel crappy. So I didn't want to kind of beat on anything today and and beat on some negativity. Trade deadline is now, as we're hearing this, thirteen days away. There is going to be a lot to talk about there and how that plays out. And I don't feel like rehashing the conversation in my weakened state, like Ferris Bueller on Rasmus Ristolainen and, and the, you know the analytics and all of those things. So I put a note out on Twitter. And a sincere note, just saying, hey, what is something that is positive about this season with the Flyers? Like, sincerely, positive. not. I don't want, like, a smart, smart-aleck answer like, it's almost over, you know, something like that. Because I also posted earlier yesterday that I saw something on the podcast charts, the Apple iTunes podcast charts. I get a notification once a week um, about the charts and where this podcast ranks. And I saw that on the charts this week that the podcast ranks number four in Ukraine. Now, we know we all know what's going on in Ukraine and how horrific it is. And I just tweeted out a screenshot that Flyers Daily was ranked number four in the Ukraine. I had a spit in chiclets, by the way. Um, but that that's surreal, like considering what's going on there. And how serious it is and how devastating it is. So I wanted to – it just brought me into a position to go, okay, let's let's have a little positivity on this episode of the podcast. So, look, I always try to be transparent with you guys and tell you kind of why I think the way I'm thinking. And that's kind of what led me to this. It's not me just trying to, to bury the mistakes or what's wrong with the team. It's just that I saw that today and said, you know what, we got to focus on something positive here for a change because our world's a twisted place. And when I saw that it ranked fourth in Ukraine, that made me want to, you know, accentuate that. So people have submitted a bunch of different answers into that question of, and here's how I put it in a tweet. I said, in this very disappointing flyer season, it is hard to find positives, but I am asking you to find one, not a smart ass positive, rather a legit positive. Can you do that? If so, drop it here for tomorrow's Flyers Daily episode. If just for a moment, then we can get back to misery. So I really wanted to, so let's get into some positivity for a change here with Flyers Twitter, with Flyers Daily, and let's kick people, I know a lot of people listen to this first thing in the morning, so for your commute, here's a little bit of positivity from Flyers fans. I won't be able to get to all of them in in this episode, so we'll spread some of these out throughout the week as well. But Iowa Philly Flyer tweeted in and said, in my annual trip from Iowa, he said, I got to see Oscar play in the Hockey Fights Cancer game. That's a great positive. And he's got a picture that he sent me of Oscar in that white Flyers jersey with purple and Lindblom on the back in purple lettering with the black nameplate, number 23. That That is awesome that you got here for that game. I love it. Uh, Misty Love tweets in, she's a great Flyers fan, and she's a frequent tweeter to me and to Flyers Daily. And she says, I think that Flyers fans have finally seen G's worth, Claude Giroux's worth. She said, I hope whatever he decides, he's happy. He's earned that. Appreciate everything he gives night after night. That is such a good point, too, because there's been, you know, he's been a divisive player for a lot of Flyer fans, and there probably still are some people that are haters, but I think people are, we're pretty consistent. We're pretty together as a fan base in that he's earned the right to go play for a cup and we hope that he achieves it because he has been a franchise icon and he has been a great player and he's a family man and he's a good man. Um, I did text him the other day just said, hey man, I hope you're hanging in and you and the family are doing well. And he said, thank you. I'm I'm all right. So that's good to hear. Uh, let's go to Anthony G. Impalo. He said, uh, heart regaining his confidence. Sandheim and Limbong showing progression under Yo. McEwen has been a surprise. Cam Atkinson and Farabee went healthy. Thumbs up. But most importantly, the not- the locker room never felt toxic given the type of season it's been. Awesome. You guys are awesome. This like is so good and it feels good for me to verbalize to this flyers daily audience these things. I asked for one ant, you gave me a bunch. Like that's awesome that you can come up with those. And there's not one that you put on there that I disagree with. Hart has regained his confidence and I think he's been really good this year in a very Tough situation with the team in front of him and the injuries and how that affects the environment of a goaltender. Has he been perfect? No, nobody has been. But that is, I totally agree. Sanheim and Limblong showing progression under Yo. You know, Oscar got moved up in the lineup right away when the Flyers fired AV and put Yo in there and he started producing pretty soon thereafter. Um, Oscar's not fully all the way back, but he has certainly progressed. And Travis Sanheim... I mean, he looks like a different player all of a sudden and is joining the rush and has confidence and has a little bit of bite to his game. You know, those are great things to see. Uh, what you said about Zach McEwen, that he's been a surprise. Totally agree. This is a guy grabbed off the scrap heap. And, yeah, he's a fourth-line player. He shouldn't be playing in the top six. But he's got, he's got some personality. He's got some bite to his game. He's not part of the problem. Cam Atkinson and Farabee, when healthy, have both been good. Joel, unfortunately, has suffered uh, some injuries this season, some freak accidents, if you will, and freak injuries, but has you know, I think he's taken another progressive step in his development. But what you said about the locker room, it never felt toxic given the type of season it's been. No, I get the same sense. You know, as you guys know, I talk to a lot of the players, not just on here, but off the record, and I've never gotten the sense that anybody's turning on anybody, and that's a great sign. Co. Bryant tweeted in and said, Hart's reemergence is the easy choice. I agree with you. His play has even been undermined by his woeful team defense in front of him. Totally agree with you there as well. But he said, aside from Hart, Faraby has given fans the most hope. He said, I like a lot of what Scott Lawton's brought, although he has had some pretty costly giveaways in his own end. Yeah, he's had some mistakes. Nobody's been perfect this year for sure. Um, but you're right, Lawton over the last couple of years has become a much more consistent player um, and a guy that, I mean, if he's playing on your third line, you're in pretty good shape. That's that's a pretty good place for him. He can move up, and he can step up, and has. Uh, but he, he's another guy that, to me, brings a lot of character to the team, kind of like Cam Atkinson going forward. Somebody had DM'd me and said, Cam Atkinson, you'd have to really overpay to get him out of here. because He's not a guy that you— Build around, and I love this terminology. He said he's a guy you build with. You know, certain players are the guys you build around. You know, superstars and star players. You build around them. And then there's other guys you build with. And build with is Cam Atkinson. I thought it was a great turn of phrase or choice of words from the guy who DM'd me. Let me get his name here just so I can give him a little bit of credit. Um, Because I think that's a really, really interesting way to put it is that he's a guy that you build with you don't build around because he's not that level let's not get crazy but you build with and i think that's a really interesting way to put it and it was actually pork chop 55 13 so good on you for that turn of phrase uh pork chop i loved it man that's awesome uh drewski tweets in and says positive for the flyers carter hart settling back into being a number one goalie He said, the clunkers are a lot further apart than they were last year. Totally agree. Dean Tanner, Hart playing well despite the record, his win-loss record. Atkinson has been a breath of fresh air. His scoring ability and attitude make it easy to pull for him, always smiling. Totally agree on that one as well. He's not only a good hockey player, good citizen that they've added here to Philadelphia as well. Quinn the Eskimo, they'll finally have the opportunity for a full reset for the organization. Come back ready to play Flyers hockey with pride. Good point. Shane Rowan tweeted and said, For me, I have a couple of positive. One, Carter Hart looks to be the guy. Totally agree. Two, Farabee is close to becoming a superstar in this league. And he said, Three, Sanheim is your best defender and offensive defenseman, and you better re-sign this offseason. Keep up the good work. Jason. Okay, let's take him one at a time. Carter Hart looks to be the guy. Totally agree. Not much more to be said there. We've talked about it. Number two, Farabee is close to becoming a superstar in this league. Superstar, you know, I don't know if it's a superstar, Really good player, star, yeah. Superstar to me is guys like Austin Matthews is a superstar. You know, he's not Austin Matthews. You know, the word generational gets thrown around a lot when it, in regards to hockey players. Oh, this guy's generational. That guy's next year's draft's got a generational guy. You know, they throw that term around. If it's generational, it happens once in a generation. It doesn't happen that often. It can, a generational can't, player can't come along every other year. That is... Kind of contradicts the term. You know, the only generational players in my lifetime, I'm not old enough for Bobby Orr. I didn't see enough Bobby Orr. But the only generational players in hockey, in my opinion, in my lifetime, Wayne Gretzky, Mario Lemieux, I look at Sidney Crosby, Alex Ovechkin, and Connor McDavid. There's other players, like Austin Matthews is a great player. Is he generational? No, he's a superstar. But he's not a generational player. There's other players that have been really good players but they're not generational generational is a category unto its own uh let's get to a couple more Travis Ballinghoff tweeted in and said Hart is legit TK Oscar and Sanheim have been really good under the new coaching staff Scott Lawton continues to get better both on and off the ice as a leader um yeah I think I agree with most of what you said I uh, I think you know TK has had some has been much better under Mike yo but still has some elements of his game that needs to be better. Uh, Oscar is stronger and trending in the right direction. Can he get all the way back to where he was? It's a good question. Um, Sanheim, I think, has been really good. Now, he will be going into, like a a previous tweeter said, the final year of his contract, which will take him up to unrestricted free agency status. So you will have the opportunity to extend him this offseason if that's what you decide to do. Uh, let's get to this one. He says the pregame and post-game shows are better. Uh, it's from Brian Smith, my partner on the pre and post-game shows. And then uh, my mom's cousin, Ed, Eddie Casey, father Ed. Yeah, he's my mom's. He's my second uncle, I think it is. He said, uh, "Agree, pre and post-game radio shows are outstanding." So there you go. Um, let's get to one more here, and we'll, again, we'll get to some of these other ones coming up in other episodes this week. We'll spread out the positivity. And Mike tweets in and says, he says, I mean this seriously, not trolling. This one really popped out to me. He said, the bottoming out is a long-term positive. It was so complete that they could no longer ignore the structural issues. Can they fix them? Who knows? But that more important, but that's more important than anything directly on the ice, like Hart's bounce back year. It's a great point. You cannot deny what's happened the last two years to this team and not make changes. You can't just bury it and say, oh, it was one unlucky season, like maybe the Islanders will do with what happened this year. You can't. And I think we've seen additions to the staff, hockey operations staff, with both additions of two new analytics people. I think we've seen it with, obviously, Danny Briere, with Alan McCauley, and some restructuring. And I think we're going to see more of that. And hopefully, all that leads to is a better on-ice product that competes better and that can get consistent and put this team back where it rightfully belongs as a perennial playoff team that can make some noise in the Stanley Cup playoffs and eventually end this drought that's been since the mid-70s. Because what I know is that all you guys listening deserve it. You've earned it. You deserve it. Let's let's hope that it happens soon for everybody's sake. And we won't have to do these episodes asking for a positive because what's happening will be positive. All right, everybody, thanks for listening. It's the Flyers and Vegas Gold Knights wrapping up an eight-game homestand tonight. We'll break it down tomorrow on a brand-new episode of Flyers Daily. Have a great Tuesday, everybody. Here we are.